All right, everybody, welcome back. No, I just fucking with I was you. like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Come on, yo. So I finally watched fucking Tulsa King. What the fuck is Tulsa? It's King? awesome, isn't it? Dude, it's Sylvester. So do you remember Taylor Sheridan, the guy that made Yellowstone? He made a show with Sylvester Stallone where he's a gangster that gets out of prison uh, in New York. He's like an Italian mobster and basically gets like exiled out to Oklahoma and just starts from nothing. Shows up the first day, has a driver in a cab pick him up and goes to like the weed store and just starts extorting them for money. Like just complete fucking gangster day one, moment one. It, it was a great show. I actually fucking hated the way it ended. I thought that well, that was... It, it set it up for a second season. I feel that. And there's going to be a bunch of drama now and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. I thought that it was cheap. Like, could have could have been done better. Uh, just the ending. Every other part I fucking love. Well, I'm getting to where, like, I understand, you know, these episodes are like 45 to, minutes to an hour long episodes and stuff. But 10 episodes, like, yeah, they're coming out once a week, like Tulsa King and stuff like that. But... Man, I feel like it's just over like so quick and then you're just waiting forever for something else. Like that's why honestly shows like that, I get into them, but I'd much rather just wait for all the episodes to be there and then just watch all of the seasons. You never played The Last of Us. So whenever you watch the show that just started on HBO Max, uh, like yesterday or the day before. I heard it's really good. You're going to fucking love it because it's legitimately like the first hour of the video game is like the first episode. So like it's and it's scene for scene, basically, with like the same awesome. thing happening to his daughter. And so I I think that the the jump that they do and like the things that they do eventually will be way different. But for now, it seems like the whole um, Netflix Witcher thing where everyone's well, pissed that they're going away from the game. They're just like, nah, fuck that. We're going to go scene by scene. Well, fuck that. That's well, welcome back and welcome in PFP fam. We got the OG PFP crew with you today. You can catch all the fellas on the Twitter. We'll shout it out the end. at the end. This is episode 23, wildcard weekend review, conference, the conference games preview for this weekend. It's uh, the divisional. The division, no conference. Divisional, it's the divisional preview, and then next week is the conference, like the AFC, NFC. I got you, I got you. Well, we got to hit you with some news, some angels in the end zone, some game previews, and some Hokshadamas top five old linemen. Can't wait to get to that. What did you guys do this weekend? I went to a Celtics game. That was pretty fire. Jason Tatum put up fit over 51 points. So uh, he beat Larry Bird's record for most games scoring over 50 points. I just thought it was but, funny on the way to that game. You asked me, like, Yo, Tatum for 32 or Celtics to win by nine and like some other thing to happen. And I was like, I don't know, man. 32 doesn't sound like, you know, it sounds like a lot. And then we find out like an hour later that Jalen Brown's not playing. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess this man's about to put out 50. I didn't have my kids this weekend, so I sat around and did absolutely nothing. Hey, yo. Well, look at you go, dude. Living the dream life out there. Yeah. You were dominating that weekend, just like the 49ers were dominating that field. Second half, that is, against the Seattle Seahawks. Them boys almost got got, if you know what I'm saying. But Big Cock Brock brought that fire. He brought that heat, you know what I'm saying? You guys enjoy that game? 
It was pretty scary. I I was on the Seattle side, like winning that you know underdog story type deal. But they looked like they had a chance. They sure did. Honestly, the way the 49ers look, like just the way they've looked since they've gotten McCaffrey, they're eleven and zero since they've made that trade for McCaffrey. I don't think it's safe to say the Eagles have a clear shot to the Super Bowl this year. Like at this point, I've been picking the Eagles, you know, in our picks this year. I've I've got to switch that up. Like I think San Francisco is going to the Super Bowl with whoever they have at quarterback at this point. I won't tolerate that. That was straight disrespectful. You know who San Fran has to get to, get through to get to that Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't think they're worried about them. Yeah. I think that that is a team that's built to beat them. The Cowboys, that is. Austin, back away from the mic. Thank you. Uh, I Yeah, I think like they're a team that's built to beat them. They just have to get it done. If Dak looks like he looked last week, they're going to fucking win. But if Dak throws an interception or two, Ezekiel Elliott can't get more than three yards uh, on every single fucking carry, then they're not going to be able to get it done. Like That's not who they are as a football team to just like come behind and win whenever like they're not in in the groove. They they're like a flowing team. Also, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the worst rushing team in the NFL. They're number 32 in yards per game running the ball. The San Francisco 49ers are not that. Also, the Tampa Bay defense has been trash this season. The San Francisco Niners defense is not trash. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yes, the Cowboys can, if they play like they did yesterday, they can beat any team in the NFL. But that's you having to play your absolute A game every single time. And Dan Orlovsky mentioned it a couple times on Twitter. He's convinced that Kellen Moore had caught on and knew the hand signals for the defense for the Bucks. So every time, that's why they stayed in hurry-up, because he could essentially see what they were signaling in, giving the play to Dak in his ear. Dak would either get one of two looks, he'd kill the play. Dak killed the first play almost every single time last night and audible to the exact perfect play. Somebody open on a uh, slant route. Somebody's open on a drag over here. That seemed to Dalton Schultz for the touchdown. Like, they were just dialed in. So, yeah, they can do it, but they just have to play perfect. Now, you're talking about how a veteran quarterback is able to make those type of reads and stuff like that. Do you think a rookie quarterback like Brock Purdy coming into this type of matchup, you think he's going to be able to hang? Like They're not going to let him. battle tested. They're, they're not going to give yeah. him the leeway to even do something like that. I think that Dak is a veteran. He is at the point of doing that. But Brock Purdy won't need to do that. The, they're going to just run the ball on you guys, and then they're going to play action out of it. And they're going to throw seven-yard slants and... I mean, I, I get it. Your guys' team you guys is awesome. Your your defense. defensive line specifically is super yeah. powerful. Like, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later because this game's on the slate. True that. True that. Let's get into the Chargers fold after T Law. Four first half interceptions. What the fuck, Travis or Trevor? Tra- Travis no, Bernard. he was Travis. He was Travis <laughs> Lawrence in the first half. <laughs> Goddamn right. I remember it was. They were, uh, there was like five minutes left, and they were still up by 10, um, maybe just a touchdown. And I looked at Austin, and the Chargers were about to get the ball, 
And I said, all right, Austin, he's got at least two drives on him right now. If Justin Herbert loses this game, do you think that it's going to be because of him? Like, is it going to be his fault? Right now, he could close it out totally. And Austin's answer at that exact moment was... Coach. Coaching. Coach and I agree David. with them. I agree with them to a degree. I actually am so happy that that Herbert came out into the media and tried to back up his coach because that's exactly what he should do. But that guy's been holding him back ever since he's been there. Like his decision making is just not good. Real quick, what did what do they do on their drive? Do they run the ball with her uh, Eckler up the middle a couple of times? And is that where you're supposed to run the ball with Eckler? Because I'm pretty sure you're supposed to get Eckler out of the outside the tackles and in open space. All right, little just stat fact for you here. And yes, this is on coaching. They fired their OC and their quarterbacks coach. Staley is on the hot seat all next season. However, it is on the play calling to a degree because when they were up 27 to zero from that point in the game, they threw the ball 27 times and only ran it eight. If you were up by 27 points, how the fuck do you only run it eight more times the rest of the game? Even if, you're not picking up, even if you're not picking up first downs, you at least need to bleed three to four minutes off that clock while you have that possession. I just, it, it, the, maybe Staley just has full reign to the OC. You call the plays. I'm not intervening at all. But that was absolutely egregious on the play calling period. Again, though, flip side, if you're letting Justin Herbert throw it 27 times and you have a 27-point lead, brother, you, you, there's, you're not putting up more than three points the rest of that game to try to extend that lead at all. That's a Miss problem. Goal. There was a missed field goal. Oh, okay. so six points. It would have been six points. Two field goals, no touchdowns at all, in a whole second half after your defense had get four inter- five turnovers in the when first half. you lose half. by a point, those points matter, baby. Now, I'm I just, think I'm just saying, man, you got to get the ball in the end. No, zone. I, I, I do think a little bit is on uh, Herbert, but I mean, he was also missing Mike Williams. I said it was the play calling too. It was the it was it's, absolutely it's, it's the play calling. It's everything. Like we yeah. saw it coming. Like Colby Chargers said it, and I, I, I knew was a I was Chargers scared. Fan, I would be so sick because you're sitting there up 27-0 in a playoff game, ready to go to the next round. You're looking at the Chiefs looking and at your future that quarterback. Shit happens, like, yeah, like, we finally holy got him. hell. I heard uh, a rumor that Sean Payton was quoted saying that he wouldn't go to coach for the Chargers organization, um, probably because of ownership would be my assumption, that he just doesn't like them and he doesn't want to work for them. But uh, I guess they're not even like on the radar. So with that happening, that I think that's why Staley's staying around. Like They're not going to fire mean, him if they don't think that they can get the Sean Payton sweepstakes. Yeah, they'd rather him. See, I heard the opposite rumor. What I've been seeing is all of that was said about the Texans. Now, while he interviewed with them, he still really doesn't have that desire. Wait, who interviewed with the Texans? Sean Payton. Wow. He interviewed with the Texans, but there's now rumors out there that he actually might sit out another year because he was hoping that Chargers job would open up. And because they're keeping Staley, he's going to sit back possibly. And it doesn't look like McCarthy's going anywhere either. Does really? That, How are, that, I mean, I guess you're right. 
They but like if they lose to the 49ers in a fashion of like we are not competing with them, they're a football team and we're not, then fucking get him the fuck out of there. Like he's going to be part of the problem. Like it's not the roster at this point. The roster is so amazing. So, yes, the 49ers, if we're being like unbiased, they probably have the best roster in football. Like is Yet. there I mean they have the best defense. Their receivers yeah, are Ayuk and Debo. Their running yeah. back, like their tight end, their quarterback is an unknown, but like their team is the best team on Which paper. It's kind of a big thing. We just haven't it seen is him fold because yet, his you know? scheme is so easy. It, he doesn't have to make mistakes because he's never put in a position to have to force something. He have doesn't you, have to do shit. Have you ever seen a quarterback just go flawlessly throughout the league though? Especially the last pick of the fucking draft. This is insane. How about Brian Dayball getting the boys going over there for the Giants? They really, they really took it to them over there at the Vikings. They, they did not know how to keep up with the Giants and what they were bringing. I think he was the favorite for coach of the year coming into this game anyways. But I think this sealed it for him. Like the season he's having with the Giants here. Also, shout out. NFC East, all three teams that made the playoffs have made it to the next round, and I think that's the first time since the NFL went to four teams in a division. So kudos there. But no, that the way he's got them playing, I mean, and they mentioned during the broadcast that Saquon had said this. You know, they don't blow teams out; they just find a way to grind it out and get the victory at the end. And it's just. I mean, it's one of those teams you just kind of got to end up rooting for. I mean, you're not going to, obviously, but I like what (laughs) I'm seeing out of them. I think what cemented it the most was beating the Vikings because the Vikings head coach was probably the other guy. Mike McDaniels might have been in the conversation for coach of the year. I think all of these rookie head coaches, with them having immediate success, that that's enough for them to get the votes. And Dable obviously had the most success. He did had the biggest turnaround. Like the Vikings turned around on offense, but their defense was decent last year and totally just shit the fucking bed. It's like they didn't give a fuck about it. And like that's why they just lost to the Giants. Uh, I, I'm excited for the Giants Eagles game. I know we're going to talk about it a bit later. Um, I think that that might be the game, like the game to watch. See, I think a big part of why he's also coach of the year is the job he's done with Daniel Jones. Like, we've talked about it multiple times this season, but after watching, you know, I actually sat and watched a full Giants game because it's the only game on TV at that point. And, dude, Daniel Jones impressed the fuck out of me. Like, he just looked poised. He looked in control of that offense. The moment wasn't too big for him. And it was, I mean, hell of a turnaround. Where was Dable at last year? Buffalo. Buffalo. So he's been with Buffalo Buffalo. since Josh Allen got there. That's where, I mean... Daniel Jones is the Kmart version of Josh Allen. All the same skill sets. Big, not as big Great of an comparison. arm, but good arm, good running ability. I mean, fucking seventy-eight yards on the ground. He ran the ball more than any of their running backs. Yeah, just because six for Saquon. It's, it's he's Dable is working him like he is a hey. You have these skills. Josh had these skills. This is what we're going to do with you. And I, you're seeing it. Like, that's to me, that's what gets him coach of the year more than anything, just because Daniel Jones was written off by everybody. Yeah, he was, get him out of here. Kenny Galladay's the, uh, isn't even able to play over there because Daniel Jones is so bad. 
I mean, is he maybe better than Josh Allen? I mean, he's doing it with no weapons over there. Josh had to have Stefan before he made his leap. I mean, that's not a, a horrible call. I mean, like, I'm not going to say he's better than Josh. He does Allen, have Saquon. You can't that. say he doesn't have yeah. any weapons when he has Saquon Barkley. But no, like, that, the, that, that is true. Like, throw to, I mean. what? That's where the Giants are so like stuck in their cap situation with the money that they have put into Galladay and these other guys. Now, the cap is always flexible and shit like that, so I expect them to get somebody else in there next season. And also, you know, Sterling Shepard's going to come back healthy, and they've still got Darius Slayton there. So they've got pieces. They need to get them a tight end in there that is more versatile for them. Cody Bellinger's just not going to get the job done for them. But, I mean, uh, Giants fans, you got to love what you're seeing. Whatever You're playing with house money at this point. You've already won a playoff game. The rest of this season is just fucking roses for you. The Giants were in such a better position than the Dolphins, like, going into the playoffs their expectations for success were the same, but their position was better. No one expected the Giants to win a playoff game until they got matched up against Minnesota, and they're like, well, they better beat them. You know, those fans almost took a win again, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was a pretty close game. I can't believe the outcome of it, but how y'all boys doing? You okay? <laughs> Stop the, stop the party fuck, tears. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> fuck you. you. Know, I will say, there's no such thing as moral victories, but with the in- list of injuries we had, and to go out there with our third-string quarterback and almost beat most people's Super Bowl favorite and lose to them only by three, we were up by four with seven minutes left in that ball game. That's I, what was crazy. I that mean, was, it's, was mind-blowing. Like they, The Bills almost It just up, gives you hope up. for Y'all the future. doing great. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it. They Bills did fuck. Like Josh Allen, two interceptions, lost that fumble, which the Dolphins returned for a touchdown. So he's he's got some shit he needs to clean up on his turnovers there. But just the Dolphins' outlook. I mean, Tua comes back next year. Hopefully, pray to God, stay healthy, get a more reliable backup in there for him. But you give us our defensive backs that were all out this year, and you give us a healthy secondary. It's just you know, there's it's just hope for the future and i mean you always got that as a dolphins fan but to keep it that close it just lets you know how good this roster is as a whole the core group of guys going into that game i said that worst case scenario the dolphins next year when they make the playoffs no one's gonna say the last time the dolphins made the playoffs was 2016 worst case scenario we fucking made it in and everyone will get off our ass about making it twice since the year 2000. So what we saw on Sunday, I think, was best case scenario. If we had Tua, we could have won that game. Without Tua, Ooh. with a, a rookie head coach, with an offensive line that's false starting, and a team that has a, a quarterback that doesn't even fully understand the play call to be able to get it in properly and like getting cut off at 15 seconds. like Yeah, we were built to fail, and we didn't. Like we were built to get blown out. We were you I don't know if you remember the game against Buffalo at the end of last season, whenever it was like, oh, well, if we just win these last two games, then we can make the playoffs. And one of them was against Buffalo and they put up like 50 on us, 30 at half, and then they put in all their fucking backups and then put up another 20. So that didn't happen. We nope. existed. It's- we played a football game against the Super Bowl favorite. 
I think that that's all good news. Every Looking... game, every game the Dolphins played with Buffalo this year was by a margin of three points or less. And that just lets you know that gap in talent is not as big as you think it is. They also, are scared next year. Before we go to the next thing, shout out to Teron Armstead. Dude could have had season-ending toe inj- or toe surgery at the beginning of the season, bypassed it to wait for this offseason to get it done, played through all kinds of injuries. It, he, had he had four a- injuries. He, in that last yeah. game four that he was playing through toe ankle knee and like a shoulder injury or a wrist something and bro and he absolutely just warriored through that and i just shout out to ron i mean we paid wow. him heavy uh where whenever we took him uh last year in the in pre in the offseason we paid him pretty heavy i mean we needed him bad every game that he wasn't in was a game that we lost like every single one. Now, two was a lot of those too, but about, I think the offensive line matter, like matters Tua. more. Yeah. Man, I know you guys aren't going to like this, but my take is I think Tua is a great backup quarterback for you guys. You know, he shows that he can come in there and, and ball, but he's also shown that he can't really stay healthy for a full year. So great. I think backup. you guys work and on again, the Tom Brady and Rodgers in there. Maybe a Derek Carr. I don't know. It's, but maybe it's a Lamar Jackson. Austin underscore pfp yeah yeah bring it on baby the, boys Tua is a great backup quarterback great backup quarterback when you need him he's gonna fucking shine baby you're uh, talking about the you guy guys are gonna be so terrified five of games who missed five games and was still first in every major efficiency category there was still finished top 10 in passing yet your starting quarterback that you want to hype up because ours is a backup. He's Your not starter missed twelve, missed five games, played in twelve games, and led the league in interceptions. Went off, went off last night. I'll give him now, that. I'll say this, Justin. Who's I'll say this, Justin. If uh, Matt Ryan finished the season, then Dak Prescott wouldn't have led the league in interceptions. Matt the, Ryan the, was on the, a no. prolific fact, rate of interceptions. That, it was the fact that he missed five games and would have been top five in the league in interceptions. <laughs> yeah, that's is, not good. I'm just saying you can't come in here saying, "Oh, you guys got a backup quarterback," and then go on to the next. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Tua is a starting stay quarterback. Stay healthy, he, baby. Stay healthy. Okay, we can say Dak. He needs to learn how to get tackled. Dak missed the same amount of games in the regular season as Tua Dak. did. I'm talking about Tua. We're on the Tua topic, and that's what I'm talking about. He needs to learn how to get tackled. It's as simple as that. Dak the man missed hits his head the same too hard on the amount ground. of games as Tua did this Here season. Here you go. Here you go. Compare Honestly, no. double double his interception it, Dak, count. Dak's probably not going to be the starter at the end of next season for the Cowboys. Like they're going to be looking for something in the off season, whether it's drafting someone young to replace him or getting this Connor rush guy ready to go. They're not looking to make this guy their long-term guy anymore. I think, I mean, maybe he goes for a Super Bowl run right now. We'll see, but it looks to me like he's injury prone that ever since he hurt his ankle, he's lost a step and he's not able to get out of the pocket as well, that his movement in the pocket isn't as flawless as it used to be because that used to be his strength. But we talked about that for a while. Pocket presence is better than Tua's, you know what I'm saying? He knows how to get out of there and get going. Tua has the highest evaded sack rate in the NFL. Please keep going. No. 
He, Please, can't, he, like, I don't most, think you understand how many statistics in the, in, are in, in my in head. One year. Austin, I told you, if you try to argue with Can Justin about it's the okay. Dolphins, no, 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 he's he's ready. It was cute. It Twitter was cute. You guys goes at this guy Prescott. all day long. That's all that Twitter does Kenny, is come at Justin, and he's got it, it backed up. He's ready Kenny, for it. Kenny Pickett had the cute. same amount of con concussions, bro. He's a rookie. We don't even know what he is. He's not a dog. Oh not yet. I get, next subject, please. I can't do it. <laughs> you know who is a dog? The backup quarterback for the goddamn Ravens. Oh, Tyler Huntley. Game against, Tyler Huntley made it a game against the Bengals. Man, Tyler Huntley. It would have been great if they had their starter. What's your thoughts on Lamar? He's great for him sitting out, man, you know. Rest that knee up, baby. Yeah, you but is he, is he a, is he a great uh, so with but with his injury history, is he also a great backup quarterback? That man is because a he's back not reliable as well on as the field. He is reliable. Oh my god, reliable to win you that game and get you 200 rushing yards. You're gonna see him <laughs> in Miami next year, so don't even worry about it, bro. All right, don't let's not hijack, <laughs> let's not hijack this whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I, as far as Lamar and um. Not playing. I mean, it's smart for him. I feel like Lamar might have realized on uh, on Saturday, whenever it got announced that the the Ravens were looking at giving him the franchise tag, that that's possible, and that he might still end up being with the Ravens for the next two years because it looked like he was trying to just peace out after this season. I don't think they're gonna let him go. They spent only a first round pick on him, but there's just so much expectation for him. If they could sign him and then trade him to New England, like. That could help them so much. So, the Ravens aren't going to be shit if Lamar's not playing with them next year. I think he's. I think get a tag and trade is the way they go with him because I think him sitting out. Yes, you're. He can't. Le'Veon showed us why you never, ever, ever do that. And I get that quarterback is different than running back, but still, bro, like it's stupid well, for you. My thing is, is if you know that's where you're signing long term, like that's your team. And if you can be out there, you're going to be out there. My thing is, is just as a competitor says, if you have one foot out the door, that's where you're like, I don't think I'm going to risk it. Like, I think, you know, good luck to you guys. Y'all are my brothers, but I'm going to sit this one out for my health, for my future. And I think that says to both sides, we're kind of mutually done here. And so I think he gets tag and traded. The Jets are a possibility. Um, the Seahawks are going to re-sign Geno, so they're, he's not going there. The Dolphins are always going to get brought up just because he's a Miami kid. So, I mean, he's they're always going to get thrown out that there. And Chris Greer has already put it to bed that Tua is their starter next season. So, this Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carter, my, none of that's going to happen. Jets are looking for a quarterback. Panthers are going to be looking for a quarterback, but I don't think any of it happens really until you start to see this draft stuff play out, whether the positioning of who they think is actually going to take a quarterback in the top 10, who knows they're going to miss out and they might want to get Lamar, or I think his best chance is to find one of these rosters that is just essentially a quarterback away. Which, I mean, a lot of people would say like the Dolphins are, I mean, the 49ers have Trey Lance. So like, they're invested in what they're invested in already. They can't spend on a quarterback, but they are legitimately a quarterback away. Do you just hear yourself? You just said the Dolphins are a quarterback he away. He said people would say okay. that the Dolphins are a quarterback away. And they would. And I am people because I said that. You know who else has their foot out the door? You know, 
Tom Brady. That man is on his way to the Raiders because he did not belong in that playoff game with the Bucks. They are done. Cowboys look smooth, though, on offense. You know what I'm saying? That, nothing really too big going on over there. Great game. Great defense. Great offense by the Cowboys. Shitty defense. Shitty offense by the Bucks. They could not get it going. They basically look how they, like how they looked all year long. But Kellen Moore figured Tom, it out. I can see Tom going to the Raiders. I mean, I could see that. I think that it's funny that uh, Tom was the one that kind of started this whole, like, looking for the veteran quarterback every year and, like, the, the new veteran going to different teams. Like, it was Wentz and it was Phillip Rivers. And, like, there's just been this kind of, like, circulating thing. Matt Ryan this past year. I am – it's surprising to me that Aaron Rodgers is now going to be a part of that conversation. Like, yep. and that – well, Derek Carr I kind of expected uh, – Last year, Derek Carr looked really good for five games, MVP status, and then fell the fuck off. And I feel like since then, Derek Carr's kind of just been writing his own ticket. Like, the the Raiders is obviously, they've invested too much time in him for him to still be this mediocre of a guy to not have taken the next step. Yeah, I think Tom ends up in Oakland, or Oakland, they should still be in Oakland. I I think he ends up in Vegas just because. Oakland the other day, too just because of the relationships and shit he had there. But I mean, like I said earlier, Kellen Moore figured it out. Cause that Dallas offense has been looking like trash the last three to four weeks. And I mean, like I said, I don't know if they had hand signals figured out or something, but I'm freaking jacked to watch this next week versus an elite defense and see what Kellen Moore comes up with. Jacked to say the least. Now, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady could both be looking at the Raiders because, I mean, you got the ties with Devontae Adams. You also got the ties with the coach. So, like, it's, either one could be seen there. I think Aaron Rodgers retires before he goes and plays for another team. Why would he not go play with Devontae, though? If he, He's only owed $1.65 like, guaranteed on this contract. He could waive that so that he isn't owed anything and then just go and sign – $30 million contract that they were paying Derek Carr last year anyways for two years to go play with the Raiders and like play in a dome play in a, a favorable home field advantage and have the best fucking receiver in football on top of that the Raiders defense isn't slouchable they still have Hunter Renfro if Josh Jacobs resigns with them because Aaron comes back and then they have Darren Waller I mean they've got a complete fucking offense couple count on points I don't think, personality-wise, Josh McDaniels and Aaron Rodgers mesh. Number two, That's the, Raiders home, the Raiders' home field advantage actually sucks because where it is in Vegas, they don't really have many home team fans, but they get a lot of tourists that are there just to watch a football game. Number but it's three, Aaron Rodgers. Number it's three, not, it's not just some Aaron guy. Aaron Rodgers is actually set to make $58 million this year. So if he does retire, he's walking away from $58 million. So, yes, that's a, a big thing to walk away from. It's not like he really needs money. That's just So you're saying what he's set to make from. based off of, like, incentives and, like... Based off of guarantees in his contract. So his contract... Based off of over the cap, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into his contract, but over the cap says that in 2023, he's guaranteed $1.65 million. That's it. That last year, he was only guaranteed $1.65. Now, he still has like $120 million left on like four years worth of his contract. 
but yeah, it's, it's not tied all in guaranteed. To like a roster bonus. Like he has to be on the Packers roster uh, by like June first or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha, gotcha. And, that makes sense. But in order for them to maneuver a trade or anything like that, all of that would have to be worked out. So I mean, whoever's getting them is going to have to pay him. Now, if the Raiders do let go of Derek Carr, which I I think personally he ends up in New York, I think he goes to the Jets. But that that would open up the cap for him. But like I said, I personally just with the way he's just spoken on the McAfee show and other outlets about how he's satisfied with his career, he has no regrets or anything. I I could easily see him walking away and just pursuing other things. Well, we're going to walk away from y'all for a minute, and we'll see y'all on the other side. We're going to take a quick break. Welcome back, y'all. We're going to get into the MVPs of the wildcard weekend. Kobe, you want to take it take it off first, coach? So, um, yeah, I, Saquon Barkley, 109 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, uh, both rushing, and both of them were impressive touchdowns where, like, you just saw this man running hard, running to win a fucking Beers. playoff game. Like, exactly. So I just saw that dog in him for the first time, really, since his rookie year. So I thought that that of, in of itself, like he was an MVP for his team. I realized that he wasn't the only guy that made plays for them, but I think that he was a big part of why they won because they went up early based off of him. Need, him, need Saquon big time this week. Who you got over there for your MVP, Justin? Well, just going to keep it in the same game, but uh, I've got Danny Dimes. Like, Danny and we Dimes. talked about it Vanilla earlier. Vic. Vanilla Vic. I'll give it to him this week for that. Like, it, <laughs> we t- I talked about it earlier. He just impressed the fuck out of me. And I mean, damn, dude. Like I said, 24 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, 17 carries for 78 yards on the ground. Like, he had a running back statistical line for an average running back game while being the starting quarterback and having an overly efficient starting quarterback game. Like it was just, it was awesome to see. Like he, he steered that game, steered that victory for the giants. They never looked like they were ever out of it at all. And I just, I was impressed as fuck. I got to give it to Danny this week. Big boy, Danny. I got another quarterback for you. Dak fucking Prescott in the same conference. Come on now. 300 yards and 400, four tutties, not 400. But he will be getting some big tutties this week, I'll tell you that much. That boy, that boy looks smooth and clean. And like you've been saying, he's been acting all year. I get it. I've been watching film. I've been watching the games. Those interceptions. He's also been trying to make up for lost time. So something interesting that I read this weekend... Before this weekend, Tom Brady had 35 playoff wins as an individual, and the Cowboys, as an organization, also had 35 playoff wins. So they just passed Tom Brady, based off of Dak Prescott's four-touchdown performance, to have 36 playoff wins to have more than Tom Brady, the individual. Did you know that Tom Brady was also 7-0 against the Cowboys? Before last night, yes, sir. Before last night. Yes, sir. That was crazy. A betting man would not have taken the Cowboys. Honestly, man, that offensive line has just been so bad all year. Like, it's got to be what happened. Like, the rest of their team is so put together. They've got two great running backs, two great receivers, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And 
he didn't look like Aaron did, where he was just constantly making constant mistakes all season long. That pick that he threw in the back of the end zone wasn't great, and that allowed Dak to get another touchdown, even though you guys couldn't kick an extra point to save your life. How about Dak throwing for four touchdowns, though? Because that's not the Cowboys offense we're used to seeing. You're used to Zeke getting it as soon as you get within five. Getting fed, yeah. Like I said, I... Dak threw him. He made the reads he was supposed to. He did awesome. But like the that CD Lamb touchdown, wide open. That Dalton short. Th- that Schultz was ridiculous. Team, wide bro. open. That, that was, was a great route I mean, though. It was a how great the route. Fuck? It, the, that play was broken down, and it was just a perfect play executed perfectly. Like how do you not cover the number one receiver? Like nobody was even on that side the of the fucking safety, field. The safety supposed to covering him did not see him going underneath. That's why he lined up underneath like that. It was perfect. Damn. It was like. You know, yeah. see shit. Expo. And he was just wide open once it was too late. Let's get into our game previews for Saturday, baby. The Jags. I'm gonna be jagging off against these Chiefs, baby. Chiefs are favored minus eight point five. They are home. You already know Chief Nation's gonna show up. We've been there. It's a loud stadium. So there's reports. That the NFL is telling the Chiefs and the Bills to start selling tickets to the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Bills at the offsite, and like I guess tomorrow at ten o'clock a.m. they're going to give season season ticket holders for the Chiefs and the Bills first lick at buying tickets. It's going to be the most expensive sporting event besides the Super Bowl all fucking year. Like they're going to sell those tickets for so fucking much. You know what that tells me. That they already know. You take a Chiefs Bills money line and you put absolutely everything you can on that parlay because the NFL is not going to pass up the opportunity to have a neutral site game. And you watch, it'll end up becoming such a success. They will try to propose having neutral site championship games every season. AFC and NFC. It's just an extra mini Super Bowl type of revenue they can bring yep. in there, bro. I'm telling you, you That's watch, it. and if it happens, nobody will ever be able to convince me that the NFL playoffs are not rigged. So they better pray the Bengals fucking end up winning that game or the Jaguars <laughs> because, like, I swear. Well, the Jaguars, I don't think they're going to be the ones that are going to do it. If we're being real, uh, minus 8.5 spread says a lot about what the Chiefs are expected to do. Andy Reid has had a whole week of just sitting, scheming, putting together some shit that no one's really ready for. What's up, Austin? Dustin, you bring up a great point. Like, with the mutual location, why don't they do that for the uh, Super Bowl? So that they fans do. from both sides. They do. Arizona is it, where the Super Bowl is played. Arizona. Yeah, so but last I'm year it was setting in SoFi. a location halfway between both of the teams that win. Oh, no, no, no. So the way, it's, the way it works, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, is that you there's a bid. So uh, the top, like, 15 stadiums all bid every year on who's going to be able to get the Super Bowl. The Dolphins, before they put the, like, roof on their stadium, had been bidding and bidding and bidding and, like, weren't getting it. And that's why they did the renovations that they did was so that they could get a Super Bowl potentially. And then Tampa Bay ended up getting one and won a Super Bowl as the home team, but that was all coincidental. And then so far doing it last year. Yeah. yeah. Listen up boys. We got one of the biggest matchups of the weekend. The Eagles are taking on the giants. Eagles are home favorite minus 7.5. The giants better 
Bring that big dick energy. Day ball up in there, boy. Come on now. Giants all so, day. I mean, just take out the take out the Trojan, you know? The Trojan. So Lord. you'd rather play the Giants than the Eagles? Would you not rather play the Giants over the Eagles? I mean, obviously in a football perspective, the better I think the better team is J- Cowboys Eagles. That would be the better game, the better just football aspect. Like but, but yeah, I'm saying the, the easiest path to victory. You think the Giants What do you think, Justin? Oh, in this game? Well, no, no, no. Giants I, or Eagles? Who if you were the Cowboys, who would you prefer to win this game? I would want the Giants to win. I don't I wouldn't Giants want to face the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, look how the Eagles have been playing all year. I mean, I am one who doesn't think the Eagles are battle-tested. Look at their lineup of the teams they've beaten and the teams that they lost to. Now, like I, guess I said, you... the, the Giants are playing with house money, and the Eagles do have that pressure of living up to the one seed, Jalen Hurts, MVP caliber season, all of that shit coming on with it. So Just took they, a week off. They've got that going for them, but again, I, I, you can't bet against the Eagles in this game. I mean, minus 7.5 on the spread. Don't know how I'd feel about picking the Divisional spread there. Matchup. But, I, yeah, I'd, I would absolutely have to lean Eagles in this. I, I I see, especially the um, Gardner Minshew led Eagles only lost to the Cowboys by like a field goal or like six points or something. So, like, yeah, the Giants haven't competed with you on that same level, but they are a fucking grind of a team that I really don't like to have to play. I think the Giants could beat the Eagles. I think that they've got everything on the roster necessary. Their receivers They're have been playing D-line. way above their caliber. Like, they're going out there and making fucking plays. Even Kenny Galladay looks like he can catch the ball, too. So, I mean, I think the Giants could make it. I think that taking them as a money line might be a nice little uh, bet. Definitely take the spread, though. Minus 7.5, I think it's going to be within that. Avon Thibodeau. He is a must-watch player when you watch the Giants on defense. He's the only player you need to watch. He's so entertaining. He gets the job done. The one thing i'll say though is like where you've kept saying giants d line Kayvon thibodeau the eagles have a top three offensive line in the league just across the board almost jason kelsey Johnson, Johnson. Johnson. like they've just got dudes on that line and so it's not gonna be it's i think we see like a typical just slugfest here and i wouldn't be shocked i mean let's see what's the over under for this game I imagine it's around 43, 43.5. Uh, 48.5. Wow. I would lean the under on that, I yeah, think. You see what I'm saying? That's where I was thinking it would be at, you know, 41, 42, 43. I don't see a lot of high scoring. There's two great defenses on both these sides. Exactly. I think McKinley's it's going to be a lot of... coming together, bro. It's going to be the, the field position the, battle. You know half, what I mean? The half-bleached... Dreadheaded monster. Well, they on the, both the cornerbacks for the Giants. They both love to stick to the run too, which just means that clock is going to bleed. I hope the Giants win. You guys do think the Eagles are going to win? All right. Oh I'll yeah. See y'all. I hope they don't. That's all I hope for. Sunday we're going to get the Bengals against the Bills. The rematch we've been all been kind of looking for. You know, we didn't really get our full game that we all paid for. Bills are favored minus four point five. It's glad to see, you know, DeMar's doing great again. He might be leading out onto the field in a four-wheeler. Who knows? But give me the Bengals, man. They were looking dominant. Bengals right to win this game? Yes. I think the Bengals go all the way, yeah. 
See, I'm. I think the Bills take it. Like, yeah, the Bills look shaky versus Miami last week with the third string quarterback. The Bengals look shaky last week versus the Ravens did. with yeah. the backup quarterback. Both divisional and, matchups, but, though. Exactly. Both divisional matchups. I think emotions are going to be high in this. This one set of uh, over under 48.5 as well. I would take the over in that because I think this is one of those games where Burrow and Josh Allen both come out, try to make a statement. Both teams know what's going on the line. Like you said, both teams, it was supposed to be one of the best games of the year a couple weeks ago when we were going to get it, and that game got canceled. So it's just everything to this game. It's the game of the weekend just out of all the games for me here. I hate that it's they have it as the early slate at 3 o'clock on Sunday, not the night game, but we'll take it nonetheless, you know, just sitting there after church or eating some lunch, doing what you do. Uh, No, I've... I think the Bengals or Bills take it. The Bengals will put up a fight, but I I think Josh Allen just overcomes Joe Burrow in the end. The, what, what, the Bills have a better be? defense than the Bengals have. So it's the defense. The Bills defense, really? I think with uh, Miller. Von Miller's out. Von Miller. With Von Miller, maybe, yeah, I could vouch for that. But with him being out, the Bengals defense they can st- come together. They still have Tremaine Edmonds. They still and have Eli all Apple pro got, Matt Milano. Got hurt. They still have Greg Rousseau coming off the edge. He's solid as fuck for him. Uh, Ed Oliver's crushing shit in the middle there for him there. They got Tredavious White back playing healthy. They just got Jordan Poyer back. They just elevated Micah Hyde, so he'll probably be back for this game. So their secondary is getting healthy. That uh, just to me, the Bills defense is the X factor in that game, and I, I think that's what pushes them over top. Now, there you talk about their secondary. I actually do think their secondary is a little weak. Uh, whenever you compare him to a Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins for Jordan Poyer, like them. But boys when you compare the their secondary to the secondary of the Bengals, I would take the Bills. All, no hesitation. Yeah, and they got three weapons. You got Dawson Knox. You got Gabriel Davis. You got Stephon Diggs. Stephon like, Diggs, McKenzie's been making plays for him all year. They Cole Beasley scored hey, a fucking touchdown hey, last week. John Brown came out of nowhere. Yeah, I thought that dude was retired. Seriously. Straight up. He was. You know who's going to have to retire after losing this game is uh, Dak Prescott. He can't lose. Come on now. Cowboys are taking on the 49ers, a rookie quarterback. The 49ers are favored, minus 3.5. They're home. They got a great defense. Rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant. This is an interesting game. He's undefeated. Rematch of last year. This, this... This is the primetime game, and it's set in the right slot for a reason. Cowboys okay, awesome. are going to show up and show out. All right, so we know your pick. What's yes, I need a score prediction. Score prediction. Just going to give that to me off the top of the dome. It's going to be a close one, 27-24. Cowboys take it by a field goal. Mayer wins it for us, even though he missed four. Four kicks in a fucking row. The boy going to come through and win it for us. Brett okay. Money Mayor, baby. What do you think, score prediction-wise? I'll, I'll let Colby go first for his <laughs> prediction. <laughs> I think he's going to take the Cowboys. Well, underdog. It's not about what the Cowboys can do. It's about how many points they can put up in the second half. The 49ers have, over like the last eight weeks, given up a total of like 10 points in the second half, maybe 20. And, like, that's that's not good for teams playing against them. 
So I think that if the Cowboys can play a full game, then it'll be close. It'll be 27-24, maybe 31-30, something like that. But if, if the 49ers just shut them down in the second half and they come out and they're not able to do shit, like, it's going to be a blowout. Like, every game the 49ers have fucking won so far that in this little run that they've been on. Both teams could shut each other out, defensive-wise. They both have the talent to. But I think both offenses also have the talent to break through that. So it's, exactly. I feel like it's just going to be a tough game, tough battle all through. Definitely the most exciting of all the ones. I mean, this is a great divisional weekend we've got. See, I think the 49ers win, and if a final score, oh, I'm going with 27-21. Now, I, I think, Can't you know, I think... Spread. I think Dallas puts up a solid fight, but in the end, I think that 49er defense causes Dallas and Dak to make one too many mistakes, whereas the San San Francisco defense, or I'm sorry, let me start. Whereas the San Francisco offense is going to play a little more conservatively and not necessarily have to force so much stuff. And Shanahan knows the one strength of the Dallas defense is that pass rush. There's only so much you can do to negate Micah Parsons. So I will be shocked to see any play go towards the side that Micah Parsons is on. If it's a run play, it's going to go to the other side. If it's a pass play, he's going to be looking at something to the other side or something quick out behind Parsons. So he's doesn't, or they're going to roll him away from him so that he can't like get on top of him. Exactly. It's going to take one play for Parsons to send fucking snot bubbles out of Brock Cock hand, his head. This game to me comes down to the defense for the Niners overall as a unit. And also, D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator versus Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. That's what it's going to come down to also. Because if I'm picking one of those coordinators to out-scheme the other... I'm taking D'Amico in that fight. And I'll even add one to that. I'm taking Kyle Shanahan scheming up an offense over Mike McCarthy scheming up anything. So, Shanahan like, won a Super Bowl. That's just, uh, he's been to more Super Bowls than McCarthy has been to. He won one, though? Uh, he didn't have Aaron Rodgers. So, no, he didn't. Oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Now. So yeah, he the, had Matt Ryan. Now you're hyping up his your head coach from something that he did 11 years ago. Okay, you didn't see I him see put the chain you. on and get jiggy with it. Come on now, big Mike. Yeah, got Kirk, jiggy, Kirk Cousins boy. does that too. Yeah, but Mike made it look better. Don't get mad. It's okay. I just don't I think mad. the Cowboys. If they win we this the week, if they win this week, though, happy for you, brother. They're gonna keep going. And it's gonna you be awesome happy for me. you. You ain't but gonna be happy. I don't think. They're going. You already said earlier you want the fucking 49ers to go and the Bills to go. No, I didn't say I want. Is it? I said I thought they would. Who would you rather? Is it the Chiefs or the Bills? You'd rather? If right now the way I've seen them been playing lately, I would make my Super Bowl matchup now instead of Bills Eagles. I think it's going to end up being Chiefs Niners. I can see that one. I can definitely see that one, but I can't because it's going to be Cowboys Bengals. I'm totally opposite of you. All right, man. Let's hop into your Hulkster Diamonds top five old linemen. Just the big boys, the trenches we're getting into. Who we're finishing off one? the episode with the meat and potatoes this week. 
I think it's just meat and meat, boy. <laughs> meat and meat, yeah. Meat, meat, some more meat, and add some bacon on top of that. Get so, some now, corn uh, in there. <laughs> this is the hog mollies you were talking about. The hog mall. These are the hog mollies. You wanted to know what they are. This is what they are. Now, this year is not the year to need interior offensive linemen if you're drafting in the first round because they're just not going to be there. There's Let's loads, go, Dolphins. There's loads of value towards the second and third and fourth rounds there. I mean, just to give you ideas, you've got Osiris Torrance out of Florida. He's a guard. He's top guard in the class. You got John Michael Schmitz, center out of Minnesota, top center in the class. Andrew Voorhees, uh, Jason Voorhees, you know, if you're into Friday the 13th. you know, it, So he's got to be scary, right? Offensive guard out of USC. So, you know, there are interior O-linemen here, but the top of this class, these top five, they're all offensive tackles because these are just the cream of the crop. Peter Skoronsky out of Northwestern stands above all of them. He's number one on basically everybody's board. You're not going to see anybody listed above him unless somebody's just trying to be different. It's He's got all the measurables that you're looking for as an offensive tackle. He's got the pass protection. He's aggressive in the run game. He's fluid with his feet side to side. He's not going to get necessarily beat by the most simple of moves out there, so you're not looking at simple mistakes there. And bottom line, he's just going to keep your quarterback upright. And again, I believe I said it a couple weeks ago uh, with the tight ends, offensive linemen, if they're coming out of the Big Ten, they're probably going to be really good. So I, Peter Skaronsky, Northwestern, number one. Number two, coming out of the Big Ten as well, just staying on that track, I have Parrish Johnson coming out of oh, the Ohio State University. This dude's just a brick wall of a man standing at six foot six, 310 pounds. As an offensive tackle, that's your prototype. Like, he's just a wall. Nobody's going to be able to get around him. Defensive guys aren't going to be able to get over the top of him to swap passes away like you're seeing these other dudes start to do more. And absolutely, I mean, I was between him and uh, my guy at number three, Broderick Jones from Georgia. Broderick Jones, I could easily see him going over him just depending on play styles, whereas Paris is a little more active in the pass game. Broderick's going to give you that aggressiveness in the run game that you're looking for. He's coming from Georgia. They're a run-based football team. That's what they're looking for. So it's just a matter of play styles with those guys. But for mine, just the way the NFL is played, give me Paris Johnson over him. So you got Paris Johnson at two, Broderick Jones at three. Wait, Number before four. you move on, so Broderick Jones is only six foot four, three fifteen. Could he potentially move inside? Like, is that somebody that could uh, could be moved to an interior guy? Or is he just, like, built to be a left or right tackle? I mean, size-wise, he could move in size if you wanted him to. But Skoronsky's also six foot four, three fifteen. So yeah. the smaller they are, it's just, especially as offensive tackles, the more agile they are across the offensive line just to be able to stay in front. Of those Which, quick edge rushers, with the the zone running scheme that everyone's running nowadays, it's kind of the necessity. You got to be able to make it outside, exactly. create that edge, that lane. Exactly. Now, uh, I don't typically like taking offensive linemen necessarily out of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, just because offenses in those conferences are just absolute, just fast-paced. 
get on the ball and go. But Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma, dude is a baller. Like like I said, if you want fast pace, somebody that can keep up with it, it's got the stamina to go through a game. He's got the quick feet to stay in front of those edge rushers there coming off the line. You can't really go wrong with him too much. He's, you know, 6'5", 315, like we're talking here. It's just prototype size for you there. But like I said, my main thing with him is his quick feet and the way he uses his hands to be able to brush away just those swim moves and the, especially like, you know, the chop moves that these defensive line or yeah, defensive linemen like to use to chop away your hands. He's quick about getting, you know, wax on, wax off, like just <laughs> active hands, you know? Yeah. And coming in at number five, Br- Blake Freeland, offensive tackle out of BYU. Now, uh, you know, that's BYU. It's They're not really necessarily playing anybody. So him coming in at number five, essentially it's just a matter of just production versus talent played. And it's just not there for him. However, he's six foot eight, 305 pounds. A little more slender than you would think he would be for that height. But at six foot eight, I mean, holy shit, dude. It, can you imagine the fake passes or the trick plays of leaking him out for a fade and like at the five yard line jj watt style who's gonna jump over this guy there's nobody now you know that's just me and my madden bag there thinking about that but i mean hell dude like i said he was only a three-star recruit coming out of high school so byu kind of fits in there for him Typically also BYU players come out a little older, just depending on, you know, what they do with the religion. They do their they four years. Their... Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah, because sometimes they've got to go do some stuff. But the, the Mormon stuff, can... right? Yeah, little, like little Austin... knocking on the door. Yeah. Talking like about Austin your Lord Colley, and Savior. Uh, Austin Colley did it after his NFL career. So mm. I think there's a couple years they've got to go on like missionary type stuff, stuff like that. So, yeah, they wanted to go overseas. Uh, cause you know, Americans are dumb hearing that shit, but they just send them like to like the middle of fucking nowhere where they've never heard of Mormonism. And then they just knock on doors talking exactly. about the good word. Exactly. But big stat for him though, as a senior, he played in all ga- 12 games, also played in all tw- 13 games as a uh, junior. This dude in his whole career has only allowed one sack. Well, goddamn fuck. That's what I'm saying, you know? So, uh, hell, if you're missing out on those top guys there and you're able to snag him towards, I wouldn't necessarily peg him as a first-round guy. You're looking at back Looks like he's a day two, day three guy. In the third, yeah. So, I mean, but he's going to be somebody that, for the Dolphins, you get him and put him on your as your right tackle, you're golden. It's not like a day one guy. I, I mean, he, go early. Big boys so, like that. So especially big boy like that. So I like uh I like the website Tankathon because they have a running uh big board that they do all year long and they constantly just update it as like new information gets thrown in. So the only thing that they really uh have different is Osiris Torrance uh from Florida, uh the interior offensive lineman. They have him as like a top twenty, top thirty pick. Uh like going in the first round, but he's like the only interior guy. The other thing that's interesting is that they've got Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, from Ohio State, and then also DeWand Jones from Ohio State. Both their offensive tackles are going into the draft this year, and DeWand's probably going to be an early second round pick. 
so, wand is huge. That dude he's is six, six eight. 359 oh like, my god dude that's impressive like that's no, that's, that's raekwon davis that's a mountain yeah that dude absolutely needs to just move to defensive tackle and just bully people dude them boys sound like some serious hogs not dogs hogs <laughs> we, we appreciate y'all tuning in we'll catch y'all on the next one you can follow the boys on twitter i'm at austin underscore pfp you can find justin at justin or PFP underscore Justin and coaches at coach underscore PFP. We love y'all. See you next time.